Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Our text this Sunday will be taken both from the Gospel reading in Mark and also in the, from the reading in the book of Jude. Uh, let's begin today with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks this day for the mercy you have showered upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the promises of eternal life that you have made to us in our baptism. But Lord, now in these latter days, we confess that there are many things that would distract us from following you. We pray today, Lord, that you would keep us awake and ever mindful of Christ's coming. Keep us faithful to you in all things. And now, O Lord, grant us your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today is the last Sunday in the church year, and I don't know if you you know this or not, but the church calendar operates a little bit differently from uh, our normal calendar. So today is the last Sunday of the church year. Uh, Next week is Advent, and Advent starts a whole new year where everything uh, starts over. Next week, we make a new start, but this week, we come to an end. And usually when you come to the end of a year, you sort of look back and you reflect on things that have happened, things that have occurred in your life, things that have stood out to you. And as I do this today, as I look back on my past year, I realize I've come to a point in my life that I have always dreaded, something I've never wanted to go through, and yet here I am uh, encountering it almost daily. It's something I saw my father go through. It's something I've seen my father-in-law go through. And I think this is not something I ever want to deal with, and yet here I am. Here's what I'm going through right now, and what's sort of happened to me in the last year. In this last year, I've realized I can no longer stay awake past 8.30 when the television is on. Uh, It doesn't matter what I'm watching. It doesn't matter what show is on, no matter how exciting, how engaging, if it's my favorite show, if it's funny, uh, if it's exciting. It doesn't matter what it is. is. It's all a lullaby to me. All of it knocks me out. And I fall asleep after 8.30 and there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, As I reflect on this past year, all I can think about is all the shows that I've missed all the endings that I don't know how they concluded. I just don't know. Because here's the deal, guys. I can't stay awake. I cannot stay awake through the end of these shows. Well, as we come to the end of the church year, Jesus is speaking to us today in this gospel reading, and he's exhorting us to do the opposite of what I just told you about. He doesn't tell us to go look back on the past year and dwell on the past. No, Jesus today tells us to look forward, to anticipate something that's going to happen in the future. And he tells us to do it by doing the opposite of what I just said. Don't fall asleep. No, Jesus tells us today, as you anticipate my second coming, stay awake. Listen to what he says. Be on guard. Stay awake. For you do not know when the time will come. Jesus is telling us here today that the end is coming, and we don't know when, but soon this whole world will find its consummation. Jesus Christ will return to judge the living and the dead, and he will come and he will usher us into his eternal kingdom of glory, and we look forward to this day with great anticipation. But Jesus warns us today, you don't know when I'm coming back, so be ready now. Stay awake now. It's kind of like if you had company coming over for Thanksgiving this past week and they were coming down from L.A. Like you have no idea when they were going to show up because they were sitting in traffic for hours upon hours. You knew they would be there. You knew that you need to have the table ready and the food cooked and everything prepared. You just didn't know when they were going to arrive. That's how it is with the coming of Christ. We just simply don't know when it's going to be. We know it's coming. It's just a matter of when. 
And as we wait for him, this idea of falling asleep while we wait for him to arrive is always a temptation that the church has to deal with. When it comes to the second coming, we got to realize that we are very easily uh, lulled into sleep. It's very easy for our eyes to grow heavy because the world is selling us a very soft pillow to fall asleep on. And so in the church, oftentimes our vigilance wanes, our zeal falters. I heard one pastor say it this way uh, this past week, and I thought this was very helpful. He said, uh, he, he was asking the question, what is the biggest challenge facing uh, the North American church here in the 21st century? And there's all kinds of lists and all kinds of things we can come up with. Uh, but he said he believes that the biggest challenge that's facing the church today is apathy. That the church has grown apathetic. We're apathetic to what's going on in the culture. With that, we're apathetic with what's going on in the church. We've let our guard down. We've snuggled up on the couch, we've turned on Netflix, and we're not doing what is necessary to stay awake. But to us, it seems like it's taking a long time for Jesus to return, so it's kind of understandable, right? It's taking so long, and I'm waiting, and I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of resisting. I kind of just want to give in and fall asleep. But Jesus says, no, you must stay awake. You must be prepared for my return, (laughs) lest you sleep through it and you miss the joys of heaven. Now, this, this sounds a little difficult, actually, here. I mean, as we, as we start to listen to this, we get the metaphor. Jesus wants us to stay awake. He, he wants us not to fall asleep in our faith. But then the question becomes, well, but wait a minute. I mean, a kind of first glance here, it, might, it almost sounds like Jesus is saying something like, it's up to you to be ready for me when I return. If you're not working hard enough, if you're not faithful enough, if you're not diligent enough, you will lose your salvation. So now it's up to you. You'd better stay awake or else. And it almost begins to sound like Jesus hasn't done enough to save us. That ultimately and finally our salvation depends on how awake we are when he arrives. And we good Lutherans here all begin to wonder, well, don't I belong to Christ already? Have I not already been baptized? Are you telling us today, Pastor, that there's something else we must do to ready ourselves as though what Jesus has done isn't enough? Listen to what's going on here today. First things first, you need to hear this and you need to understand this. Here is the truth for you today. You who are baptized, you belong to Jesus Christ now. I'm telling you the final verdict ahead of time. Now, ahead of time, comes the good news to you. On that last day, you will be declared guilty. Uh, Not guilty. Wow, that's a big mistake to make in the sermon. That's uh, tough news, guys. See ya, there's coffee in the back. Um, (laughs) You will be declared not guilty because Jesus Christ has died for you. He's been declared guilty already in your place, and you have been declared innocent, righteous, forgiven, and holy. That is what has been promised to you in your baptism. That is the promise that is made to you even in this word this morning. When it comes to your sins that would prevent you from entering into the kingdom of God, those are forgiven. When it comes to your relationship with the Father, it has been reconciled already through the blood of Jesus Christ. When it comes to your seat at the marriage feast of the Lamb, the place is already reserved for you. Jesus Christ has done all of this for you already, and He has delivered it to you now ahead of time as a promise, as a guarantee. But Jesus also knows this that everything in this world is aligned against that promise. 
Everything in this world is aligned against that promise. And that promise has been delivered to you, which means everything in this world is going to be working against you as a child of God. To fall asleep, then, is to give in to the temptations of the world and to turn your back on the promises. Jesus has promised this to you, and he has promised that he will never let you go. He will never let anything snatch you out of his nail-pierced hand. And yet, we are prone to wander. We are prone to fall into sin. We are prone to give in to the temptations and the trials of this world. We've got to recognize the reality that sinfulness still clings to us, and we are very tempted to wander from Christ's call to us. So to be baptized, we have to realize, means this, that Christ has ahead of time promised you everything in eternity. He's told you the final verdict. But to be baptized also means that you have the devil, the world, and your own sinful flesh all at war with you, trying to draw you away from Jesus Christ. And those things are working very hard these days. The devil, the world, and the flesh are really pushing against our faith. We saw this a few weeks ago, I guess two weeks ago now, uh, with that shooting up in Thousand Oaks. And that was a horrifying thing. And what we're seeing now is this this sort of almost epidemic of mass shootings taking place in our country. And when you talk to people who had to live through that, who lost friends or family members or who have gone through such things, the question they begin to ask is, where is God in all of this? Doesn't he love us? Why would he allow something like this to happen? Having mass fires here in the state doesn't make matters any better. We wonder why God would allow the fires to break out. Is he aligned aligned against us? Is he real at all? Doesn't God want to stop all of this? Where is he? And we begin to wonder and we begin to question. And when those questions and struggles and trials arrive, uh, the devil is always right there with them. Now, the questions themselves aren't necessarily bad. You even find those questions written in the Psalms from time to time. Prayers to be prayed. Where are you in all of this, God? Have you forgotten us? Where are you? But the devil is always right behind those questions to say he has. He doesn't love you. I wonder if he's real at all. And the devil drives you to question and doubt. And the devil would give you two options in this moment. It would be to either abandon God altogether or to try and take matters into your own hands. Forget God or fight dirty. Abandon the faith, take the easy route, fall asleep. Now these these temptations arise, and they arise not just outside of the church, but such uh, temptations and attacks on our faith can come from within the church as well. This is what we see in the book of Jude today. Jude, who we believe actually was uh, the brother of our Lord Jesus. Uh, Jude writes to us today about attacks that are taking place on the faith within the church. And what he was encountering was people coming into the church and and preaching a message that would allow for sin, that would excuse sin. People who would come in and say, look, you're saved by grace. You can indulge your flesh now. You can do whatever you want. Jesus forgives you no matter what, so don't worry. Go out, eat, drink, and be merry. Live it up, and Jesus will come back, and maybe you'll be drunk when he arrives, and that's great because the party will continue. Like, this is how they were teaching. And they were, they were driving people into sin and using the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ as an excuse and as a license to sin. It was an attack on the faith of the believers. And they truly had made the most sinful move of all, turning the mercy of Christ into sin. And so we see this attack coming from all over the place, whether it's outside through, through violence or mass destruction or from within the church with attacks on our faith. It, all these things just get to be a little overwhelming. 
And they begin to bear down on us. And we begin to grow tired under the assault on our faith. And we begin to think, you know, it's going to be a lot easier if I just take a nap right now. If I just stop fighting. If I just fall asleep. But the Lord Jesus won't have that for you. The Lord Jesus won't let you go that easy. See, Jesus knows. Jesus knows the attacks of the devil. He knows the sorrows of this life. He knows the temptations because he's endured all of it. Jesus knows what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death because he's gone into the deepest and darkest parts of that valley. And he's taken that valley onto himself and he's carried it to the grave where he died and crucified it. And he rose again on the third day, walking out of that valley and turning on the lights. And now you and I who are dozing off in the dark, Jesus shines his light upon you. As Paul writes in Ephesians, rise up, you sleeper, and awake, for the light of the dawn shines upon you. And you and I, as we begin to doze off today, Jesus meets us here and he shines his light in our eyes. And he gives us the very things we need to stay awake amidst the battle. Now, he does this, I think, today by giving us two things. Two things that will keep us awake as we await for his return. And those are given to us today in the reading from Jude. Jude says this first. He says, as you fight for your faith, uh, do this. Beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which leads to eternal life. Jude says this first to us today. The first thing that you need in order to be prepared, in order to stay awake, is the love of God. You need to remain in, to stay in, he says, the love of God. By building yourselves up in the faith and by praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, where does that happen? How does that take place? Well, that's, that's what happens when we come to church. When we gather for worship. Where, as we like to say around here, we hear God's word and worship. And when we hear that word, we begin to learn that word. We begin to study that word in Bible study. See, here is where you guys, this, this hear, learn, care idea we have here, it's not just kind of a fun cliche to throw on some cool banners on your way out. This hear, learn, care business that we're talking about here at Community is training us to be disciples who stay awake in the midst of the war, who are prepared for battle. Because of all these attacks and assaults on our faith, we need to be those who are hearing God's word regularly, constantly being encouraged and sustained by the promises of forgiveness and eternal life. We need to be learning that word in Bible study because there, as we're building ourselves up in the faith by studying the word, we're beginning to discern truth from error to understand the truth of God's word against the lies of the devil. So we, we get that word in our ears and in our hearts and it begins to form and shape us and it prepares us to fight. As we gather then to hear the word and worship, Christ meets us in this place. We gather together, we pray for each other, we encourage each other, and then Christ meets us in this place. And he comes to us as light in the darkness, as a light breaking through these dark clouds uh, in this place when he gathers us around the altar. And there he feeds us with his very body and blood and that bread and in that wine. And in that bread and that wine, the body and blood which conquered hell and forgave all of your sins are given to you to eat and drink for the forgiveness of your sins. And as we gather here, St. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that we eat and drink uh, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and we proclaim his death until he comes. Proclaim his death until he comes. 
knowing for certain that he will. It is so certain at this altar that you can taste it, you see. And so Christ comes and he breaks into the darkness in this light by giving us his body and blood at the altar. So that's the first thing Christ gives us to sustain us is this promise of his presence which will carry us to the end. But then the second thing he gives us is our neighbors. He gives us our brothers and sisters and the people in this world to love. We need to keep awake to their needs and their sorrows and their sufferings so we might be there to care for them. As we leave this altar, we go back into the world, but it's not as though we sort of just leave church behind. We bring the hope of Christ with us. Uh, There's a a great song uh, by a guy named uh, Derek Webb who has, uh, incidentally, if you know anything about the Christian music industry, who himself has... uh, Uh, announced that he has fallen asleep, that he no longer believes in Christ, which is truly sad because he used to write some really wonderful music. And one of the phrases he used in one of his hymns, one of his hymns, one of his songs uh, is this about the Lord's Supper. He says, Now may the bread on your tongue leave a trail of crumbs to lead the hungry back to the place where you are from. I, I like that image. You eat the bread, the body of Christ here, and then you leave a trail of crumbs as you leave the church to help people come back in and receive this same light. You see, here's what Christ gives us. He gives us people to care for in this world, and we are to care for everybody that God gives us. We are to bring hope and light in the midst of those who are drowning in the darkness. Jude writes this, Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment that is stained uh, stained by the flesh. Stay awake, in other words, to the suffering and the sorrow that you see in the lives of people around you. You get to be beacons of light in this darkness that bring hope to people who are suffering in so many different ways. I've been a pastor now, I think, for for 12 years, and I can honestly say that I have not seen the darkness as terrifying as I have in this past year. As I look back, I have seen some things that have just just utterly shocked me. (laughs) I mean, there is no doubt in my mind that there is a devil working against the church. And yet we don't have to be afraid of him. And this world doesn't have to be overwhelmed by him. Because we have the light of Jesus Christ which we bring into this darkness. And this, this light, this, this mercy that we have received from Jesus brings hope. See, you have been given mercy, and now you have been given mercy so that you can show mercy. Everything else in this world is trying to drain you. Everything else in this world is trying to suck the life out of you. Everything else in this world is trying to leave you dead. But Jesus Christ will not have it because he has given you the gift of eternal life. He has shown you mercy, and now it's that life and that mercy that you get to shine out into the world for others to have, for others to know true hope. Mercy brings hope that does not disappoint. And this mercy and this hope do not disappoint because this mercy and this hope have a name. And that name is Jesus Christ the crucified. Jesus Christ the risen. And it is this Jesus Christ who was crucified for you. It is this Jesus Christ who has risen for you with the promise that soon this whole evil show is about to be canceled and all of Satan's work is about to be undone. And you and I will finally be free. 
and your tears and your laments will become songs and laughter and your faith will become sight when you finally see Jesus when He arrives face to face and He will embrace you with His risen, nail-pierced hands and welcome you into His kingdom forever. You do not want to miss this. So stay awake, for He is coming for you. Now, to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you as blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, and now, and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for the promise of eternal life, that Jesus will return and take us to you forever. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would sustain us in our faith and keep us, Lord, always looking to you. Help us to be awake to the needs of those around us so that we might love and serve them and care for everyone that you have given us. Lord, as we prepare to receive the sacrament today, we pray that this precious gift would strengthen and sustain us, forgive us and carry us to everlasting life. We thank you for your promises to be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.